Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Programme, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR. You're listening in on 8.55am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. Today on Brainwaves, we are talking to Sue Nunn and to Leah McKennan. And we are going to be talking about their group, Alternatives Melbourne. Just a warning, though, that today's show will contain mentions of suicide. If you are affected, please contact Lifeline on 131114 or Wellways Helpline on 1300 So thank you to Sue and Leah for joining us today. Um, so we'll just get started. What is your group, Alternatives Melbourne? Yep, Alternatives Melbourne is, we're just a small group of people that have come together, um, brought together by Flick Grey, and we're committed to being able to share the Alternatives to Suicide approach within our communities, um, which we'll share more about that approach as we go on, I suppose. So, Sue, how did you first get involved with the group? I was um, approached by Flick, Flick Grey, um, and she... Uh, uh, gathered a group of us together um, and you know that's the beginning of the story really. Yeah, yeah. and Leah? Yeah quite similar. Um, I heard Fleek speaking about alternatives to suicide um, quite a few months ago and I became really interested in researching it and learning more about it and I approached her to let her know that it's something um, that I'm interested in and she let me know that she's bringing people together for this training. So yeah. Um, so what is the alternatives to suicide facilitator training? That's a really big question uh, yeah. <laughs> because we, we actually haven't done the training ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there is a, a prerequisite to attend the training and that you, you, know, you must have struggled with suicidal feelings or thoughts yourself or even attempted suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you're a clinician, if, as long as you've suffered, or, well, I don't like to use the word suffered actually, mm-hmm. as long as you struggled with those um, thoughts or, or you know, voices or whatever, however you experience it, you know, um, that's one of the prerequisites for doing the training. So. Yeah. Um, so we understand that the training is based on the Western Massachusetts recovery learning community in the United States. How have you managed to get this training all the way over to Australia? Yep. Well, um, for us, Flick attended the training when she was over in America at some point, I think last year. And um, we found out that Mercy Care in Western Australia have been doing a lot of work to bring, make this training available in their communities and to have different meetings and forums um, to be able to spread it throughout Western Australia. Mm-hmm. And they've organised a visit um, for uh, two trainers from the Western Massachusetts RLC to come out to them in a few weeks' time. And we're just lucky enough to be able to join onto that visit and Flick has taken it upon herself to be able to bring them across here and to have available a training as well as a community information session in Melbourne. 
Yeah. So can you explain what the training session is going to involve? The the training the training itself or the training session? Oh, both both of, or anything. So I mean, I actually to be really honest with you, haven't, you know, cuz I haven't actually yeah, done the training. Done so, the training. you know, I mean, I think, you know, it's basically it's a non-clinical approach mm-hmm. um and very much from uh, you know, like I don't know if you know anything about the hearing voices. So it's it's a it's a collective of of peer approaches um that form part of the the approach to this training. Yeah. 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 It's very much grounded in having people who have had their own experiences of suicidality and of um, receiving some sort of care or support for that and figuring out what really works for them and what might work for communities and to be able to bring more of that. Hmm. Um, so you've mentioned Flick Gray, who I've met before at Vimiac, and mm-hmm. she's a wonderful person about um, really into the peer peer-to-peer training movement um and so she's one of the facilitators i believe no she's not okay but she's just involved with the movement yeah so um you're going to have other facilitators operating the training yeah Yeah. um what what sort of things have they been involved with or what sorts of thing where what sort of backgrounds do they have no worries. Um, so your Flick is someone that is helping to bring facilitators out from yeah. America to do this. So the two facilitators are based at the Western Massachusetts RLC. Okay. And their names are Carolyn um, Maisel Carlton and Sarah Dav- Davido. Um, and Carolyn is the training director over there and has been training alternatives to, f- um, to suicide as well as uh, being a facilitator of the groups herself for about five years' time. So she really understands this approach and is um has a strong voice in this movement i suppose um and with sarah she's the um director of the western massachusetts recovery and learning center and she's done a lot of work in the peer space in to developing different respites and educating people in their roles so we're very excited to be able to have them both come across to teach us this approach yeah and flick has actually done the training in america so yeah, yeah 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 Well, that sounds like it's a, a collection of really interesting and experienced people um, who will be able to bring a lot to the community over here in Melbourne and in Western Australia as well. Absolutely. They're also going to Sydney as well. Add oh, yeah. that in there. They're going to Sydney um, <laughs> just after they come to Melbourne. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, so can you explain a little bit about what a typical conversation about suicide might look like under a peer-to-peer approach? So... I actually don't think there is any typical conversations. Yeah. Um, so um, it just depends on what you're experiencing yeah. at the time. But, you know, it for me, from a peer perspective, and I talk from my own experience because yeah. I've actually done the training, you know, it, it's it's not coercive. There's no structure. There's no have yeah. you got a plan. You know, the, you know all of those um, questions aren't helpful in yeah. any shape, make or form, or I've never found them helpful. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's about connecting on um with the person and you know and um I can't think of words at the moment Leah do you want to jump in yeah for sure um for me it is very much about just a genuine connection and listening and sitting with a person and finding out um what their experiences might be and a lot of people um express feeling suicidal but there's always um like a different story behind why they're expressing that and it can mean a variety of different things based on the individual so as peers we 
um, share our own experiences of that and to help people know that they're not alone as well Mm -hmm. as to really connect and listen um, to what's going on for them as much as possible to help them explore that and to give them space to speak rather than... um, rather than doing those risk assessments and yeah. um, shutting down room for conversation, we want to create extra room. Yeah, because I think from experience, I know it can be very clinical, like very um, ticking the box, like making sure of things. And then you don't really get that room for starting a conversation or getting conversation going between people, Absolutely. Um, which can be really, really helpful in that situation. Yeah, I find often with um, risk assessments and things, it can be more about making the other person feel comfortable and feel mm. safe rather than making the person who's actually um, feeling this distress feel as though they're being heard and have space to explore it. Yeah, definitely. So how does this peer approach work when dealing with the sensitive subject of suicide? Can you just repeat that again, sorry? Yeah. Um, so how does the peer approach work when you're dealing with the sensitive topic of suicide? And I only speak from my own ex- yeah, personal experience course. again is, um, it, you know, to actually to be really heard by someone is incredible. And, you know, it takes away the power of, of the emotion sometimes mm-hmm. as well. Um, and... Um, you, you, yeah, that you have a freedom to express yourself in ways that you know you just don't get in any other setting. Yeah. Um, that you that you actually have a voice and you can be and you can say, you know, what the thoughts are or what the voices are or, you know, what's actually causing the distress. It's not shut down. It's not. Yeah. It's that's my experience. Yeah, I think at its essence, it goes back to a really genuine and vulnerable. Um, human connection mm-hmm. and to be able to create that space to for people to speak without any shame and to just be heard and um, to have that connection. Leah, why do you think it's needed to provide alternatives to suicide to the community? Yep. Um, really, honestly, like I, I think this is so needed because of my own experiences of how my suicidality has been responded to by services. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my experiences are more so that I've been turned away from services and really struggled to find the right people to be able to talk really genuinely about to figure out um, why I'm experiencing these things this way. Mm -hmm. Um, Also in my work as a peer worker, I've heard from a lot of people that um, the way that they get responded to um, by being placed in hospital, um, for some people they find it helpful, other people find it really, um, really scary and they stop telling people that they're feeling suicidal because they're scared of the response that they're going to be given. Mm. Um, And Alternatives to Suicide is a group where we're able to, um, hopefully to be able to create a space for people to talk really openly about their experiences without being turned away and without feeling trapped and just to be able to explore things on any level that they might need to. Yeah. And I think the fact that it is a community-based approach as well you know I think we need more of these spaces in our community to talk about suicide and and distress you know and and you know there are uh, groups uh, you know with high suicide rates that you know I feel this would usually hugely benefit those those groups um I can even see a need for it for things other than suicide um definitely there's a big push for peer-led approaches coming into Australia now which I think will become really beneficial over the next couple of years, especially when it comes to things, I guess, like um, the things I can think of as like with adolescents um, and, yeah, with 
even specific illnesses, it can become really beneficial for that. Absolutely. I think we need to be able to provide alternatives for everything really because some people might work really well with the current system that's set up but other people might need something completely different and it's about having options available for different individuals. Yeah, definitely. Um, So what are some of the differences between a peer-led approach to suicide and the typical clinical approach to handling suicide? Yeah, we've spoken a little bit about this but with the clinical approach um, it does focus a lot on risk assessment and um, just trying to find my words. But yeah, it it focuses a lot on, yeah, that risk assessment and on sending people to to hospital if they're feeling um, unsafe, I suppose. Um, And it can often not provide people with enough space to really explore what's going on for them in those really crisis moments. Mm -hmm. And... um, there's this saying of like crisis is opportunity and it's really important to be able to take those moments when people are in those um, crisis situations mm-hmm. and to give them a space to be able to explore it and to talk about it and to find out something new about themselves. But I think that gets really lost in the clinical system and a lot of people um, feel unheard and coerced, I suppose, to to stay safe and to make safety plans and to promise something that they may not be able to promise and that might not actually be beneficial to them whereas in um the peer space we just try to be human with people and not that clinicians aren't human but we try to um, meet people on the level that they're at and um connect with them and it's not no one is the problem no one is and also no one is a problem and no one is there to fix anyone or to help anyone it's about creating conversation and relationship and community and through that, it's an exploration of ourselves and of other people yeah. to hopefully um, come to that place where people aren't in as much distress. Definitely, yeah. And I think, you know, being able to have a voice, you, you're not alone. You then have a community that you can identify with. Um, so you're not, you know, socialisation social isolation is a huge thing. Yeah. And, then, and then they isolate you even more. In, in in services yeah. um you know they shame you and they shut you down completely so you know um it's the connection that's you know key to yeah human connection is yeah key. you stay connected with somebody you've got a relationship you you're more likely to you know push forward and find that person that might be able to relate to you um yeah absolutely, absolutely. often when times are when people are in that moment of distress if they're placed in hospital they're being taken away from their kids and their family and their pets and all those really um often really connecting aspects of their life Mm. whereas to keep people in the community and to find extra ways to um to smother them in community and to bring people closer to them rather than removing them from that yeah it's really important um so the training and the process has been going on in the u.s for a few years now how have people sort of got on with it how has it been um, reacted to over there? I honestly don't know a lot about how it's been reacted to over there. I know yeah. it's been going for, I think off the top of my head, about nine years. Yeah. And it, it has taken off and it is starting to come abroad and it is approach that people um, are really starting to use. And I think that, you know, if you look on the website, you'll, there are testimonials on there from yeah. people that have done the training and that it, there will be more information if you look on the on the website. All right, perfect. Yeah. Um, so 
after this training sort of happened in Melbourne and everything, what would you like the future of suicide management to look like in Australia and overseas? That's such a huge question. Yeah, I is. think the main thing that springs to my mind is um, for communities of people and for those communities to exist not only when people are in really um, deep distress but also to exist when they're doing really well and when they're loving life and just for um, to be able to create more of yeah of those communities and spaces and um, a family so people don't have to feel alone yeah and respites yeah. love to see um, peer respites um, available for people um, yeah all the alternatives that you could possibly think of would um that's what we'd love to create so. definitely and yeah. in what we're speaking about like I know for what I'm speaking about it's what I've needed I've needed community but some like other people might need something completely different yeah. so I think it really is about having those different alternatives available so that everyone can find what they need and have access to that yeah um so we understand that you're holding a community forum on the 6th of March for those interested learning about the approach um, what's going to be involved in the forum and how can people attend? Yeah, well, um, the forum is going to... Um, we, the Alternatives to Suicide Facilitators, uh, Sarah and Carolyn, are going to come and speak about the approach. Mm-hmm. And we'll also have some people from Alternatives, to, um, Alternatives Melbourne and from the community uh, sharing in their stories and their, um, their vision for this. And what might be possible in the future, and what we want to be able to bring to our communities. Yeah. Um, to to register for that, we do have an email address. Yeah. Did you want me to share that now? Do we yeah, want to absolutely. Yeah. So, alternatives um, melb at gmail dot com, and Thanks. anyone's welcome to email that with questions yeah. about anything or expressing interest in the event. Absolutely. And there is a you know there is a donation um, asked when people come along to the event yeah absolutely to um keep the good work going i guess absolutely yeah Yeah. absolutely um so just to finish off um how can people support the work of alternatives melbourne and where can they get involved and same thing just email along we'll make sure that um the email and any information is up on our podcast page as well for everyone Definitely. And um, with supporting Alternatives to Melbourne, one of the biggest things we need support in at the moment is to be able to um, fund people to attend the training because we Mm -hmm. want to make it really accessible to everyone in the community and not everyone can afford to pay for a space. So if anyone feels drawn to to fund someone to attend, just contact us and we'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Um, So the details for the community forum, it's in Hawthorne. Yeah. Okay, so I've got the right one. So it's 7pm on the 6th of March in Hawthorne and it'll be until 9pm, I think. Yeah. Yeah, okay, perfect. So we'll make sure that all those details are up on our podcast page. That's 3cr.com.au slash brainwaves. Um, so thank you so much, Leah and Sue, for coming on the show today. Can I just jump in and oh, say, yeah, absolutely. say that, um, that, that we don't want there to be any barriers for people to attend the training. Oh, yeah, so, you know, please contact us. Yeah, I think it'll be a really, really beneficial thing for the community and you'll be able to see the effects of it for a really long time. Yeah, definitely. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, you can catch more of our shows at our website, that's brainwaves.org.au and, of course, on the 3CR website as well and on iTunes. 
Next week on the show, we'll be talking about the university systems as it is O week for a lot of universities next year, next week, sorry. Um, so we're going to be having a bit of a panel discussion about that. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for a new episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. Stay tuned for Renegade Economists. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.